It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Tottenham, Tottenham, don't be a Clottenham. You want goals? Tottenham's got the... Tottenham, 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 Tottenham. I'm saying Tottenham very, very often. Hot shot, give them all you got. Let me make it plain. Tottenham are the kings, the kings of White Hart Lane. Top 10 Tottenham! Hello, welcome to another episode of Top 10 Tottenham, where well-known Tottenham fans uh, regale us with the most important Tottenham memories. And I'm delighted to be joined by this gentleman, a man who's been on the Spurs show pretty much since the beginning. The broadcaster with so many stations over the years. Capital, Virgin, Absolute, Talk Sport, Fix, Nation Radio. And for the completists out there, Brighton Southern Sounds and Helsinki's Radio 1, Mr. <laughs> Russ Williams. How are you, Russ? I'm um, good, Mike. Um, thank you so much for inviting me on. Oh, no. um, this is this is going to be fun. And um, well done on, on getting uh, nearly all of my CV. I, I've, I've got to ask Helsinki. What, what was the story there? Well, um, somehow... Like going out on loan. <laughs> yes. I, I was asked to do a, a show while I was at Southern in Brighton featuring British pop music, new records, right. which back in the day they had to wait four to six weeks for. Right. So I used to record it, DHL it over, and they said, why don't you come over and spend some time here and, and do some live shows in Finglish? Right. And uh, so that's what I did. How amazing. And I had a great time, but of course I came back to the UK. You forgot to mention, by the way, the original host of Soccer AM for the first two that's seasons right. on Sky Sports. That's right, of course. Um, Sky Sports, ITV Sports, yes. I mean, you name it, I've done it. That's and right. I'm very lucky getting away with it. But um, we're all still here. Yes. And uh, moving forward, fighting the good fight I know. for our beloved club. And we seem to be losing at the moment, don't we? It's so. been, uh, as we record this near the end of uh, this awful season, it's, it's been dreadful. It really yes. has been so disappointing because I was one of those idiots that was quite excited at the beginning of the season when I saw the signings of Spence and Pesuma <laughs> and Perisic and Richarlison. I thought, oh, this is, oh, this is quite good. And it's just gone downhill in a, in a 
awful, awful way. And it's the usual now, who's going to stay, who's going to go. Um, and it's, uh, it, it, from, from an outsider, it looks like an utter mess at the moment, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, from an insider's <laughs> point of view as well. Yes. I mean, it's, it, it is appalling. I, I can't think there, there being such a melee at the club since the venerable sugar thing, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, but the, the worrying thing is this is on the pitch mm. and um, it's due diligence of players, uh, bad appointments of managers when they don't actually fit what the MO of the club is. Um, we all know, mm. and we just got to hope it gets better. I mean, on the day we're speaking, Arnie Slot of Fine Orders now back up to the top of the list. Over the weekend, it was Nagelsmann yes. was back again. I mean, the appointment process is currently uh, like it was really in the run up to Nuno. Absolutely the same. An absolute yeah. shambles. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's all right for Daniel's wife to tap him on the knee as a third Brentford goal went in at the weekend. <laughs> a wife would do that. But really, um, he's in big trouble. If he doesn't get this right, I think the moderate protest will become toxic, large, mm. and vocal. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And um, again, the frustrating thing is we all know the football, the, it looks like from a business point of view, the director of football should come in now. This guy Munn doesn't start till July it's just like, why? Just get people in who I can start now. There's enough good people out there. Get moving now. I was amazed after when, I was, we're all amazed when Stellini stayed on, but even when Stellini went, that I thought maybe that's given that extra time to go. We can now announce. And there was yes. enough people out there um, out of work who were good enough to go get him in now, look at the players, decide now. Because whenever someone arrives in around July, mid-July, they're then going to decide who they want, who's going to move on, and nothing will get done for the beginning of the season again. No, good um, point. This is the concern. I mean, on the subject of Stellini, I think a, a really good guess would be that Conte went and he was told by the club that you either stay or you don't get paid. Mm. I, would, I would imagine that it was something... Like that. Well, you'd imagine they'd all be on the same dates of contract because they all kind of well, came together. Who knows? So maybe knows? someone had a word and went, oh, God, if they all go, we've got no one, backroom staff, to yeah. come through. We need a couple people there. The set-piece guy stayed. Let's keep them yes. there. And maybe because he did all right when he was by himself when Conte was ill, maybe someone was in Daniel's and said, no, I think he, he, he'll, he'll, you know, throw off the shackles, but, but didn't. It was... Um, it was just much yeah. the same uh, without the are you, are you in the Pochettino return camp, although that seems highly unlikely, although well, bizarrely, it sounds, Chelsea still haven't appointed He's him. in the point, but it sounds like, from what, what we heard from a few people, he's never had a call. He hasn't had a phone call from Tottenham no. at all. Wow. Um, I think, okay, we all remember what happened at the end. The football was awful yeah. and the Champions League team was bad. But he went through a lot emotionally. I thought with time and experience, it would have been a great person to bring back. He would have brought the fans on side. But I believe that certain members of the board didn't want him back. And this is the problem. Right. It's um, no, no one can make just a decision there and, and just be, be done with it. And just, and just put their head above the power and said, I'm making the decision. If I get the decision right, wrong, I go. No one goes amongst the board. This is no. the problem. And, and, yeah, you're sacking. right. 
and and the communication from the club, I think, is second rate. Yeah. Really, yeah. you can put out statement after statement from the chairman, but unless he appears in front of a camera or is scrutinised with the difficult questions mm-hmm. uh, that are always sanitised out of anything that yeah. comes out of the club, um, I think it's very very difficult to actually find out what is is going on. But we are where we are, and. Um, I, I, you know, from where I'm looking at it right now, unless there's a miracle, three or four seasons before we challenge for Champions League again. And for a, a club like Tottenham with the business model that Enic have, it, it's woeful. It's disastrous. The problem is, though, Russ, is the business continues to make lots and lots of money regardless well, now of the, yeah. the, the actual football. And that makes it even more dangerous because, you know, OK, I know it's not a, a, a public uh, a company anymore, but the people run it are going, well, we're making great money here. We're getting the value up. And it's almost like football is an inconvenience now. that They've got to invest yeah. in this annoying thing with these annoying fans. The fact they turned the tannoy system up at the end of the game and during the lap around, it was like some sort of banana republic company, public rally when they don't want the, uh, the, the, the masses brewing. The, the speakers no. were turned up. I mean, I, I mean, Pravda, Pravda, <laughs> exactly. my friend. Yes. Anyway, let's anyway. look at happier times. Yes, Top 10 let's. Tottenham's all about your memories of Tottenham. Before we get into your top 10, tell us your Tottenham journey. How did you become a, a Tottenham fan? Who was the person or people that gave you this lifetime affliction? Um, my father, his brother Cyril, my grandfather, all from Walthamstow right. and that area of London. Uh, Arsenal were never discussed wisely. And uh, it was just kind of drummed into you that Tottenham were the greatest. And uh, you are the latest um, in a long line of family Tottenham right. fans. Some of my cousins drifted off to Arsenal, right. shameful, mm. even worse. Uh, became fans of Chelsea. Right. My uh, One of my eldest cousins, Stephen, is still a massive Chelsea fan. Uh, but let's be honest, he's had a lot more fun over the last 15 years than we have. But I believe that you are born with the football club that you will support. <laughs> you and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe... Being a, because mostly we've supported them through thin and thin. But, but, but you didn't grow up in that area, did you? Most, did you grow? You didn't grow up in that area of Walthamstow, did you? No, I was born in Lytham St Anne's. Oh, oh, um, my father right. moved to Blackpool. Oh wow! Work. Uh, he used to be the manager of Piers. You know the amusement Piers. Yes. Okay. And uh, he went there. And uh, I lived there until I was 11. Oh, wow. I didn't and know. then I went to Eastbourne, where, once again, he was involved with the pier for the company First Leisure, which was yes. a forte yes. company. Yes. And, uh, and so it became a little easier to get more involved in Spurs. Funny enough, the first professional game, Mike, non-Spurs, first professional game of football I ever went to see was Blackpool, um, at Bloomfield Road, at home to Chelsea, Ron Harris, Peter Osgood, all those guys. Um, Is this when Jimmy Armfield was managing there? or I think it might well have been. I mean, I would have been about seven or eight. And uh, at half time, it was Blackpool nil, Chelsea three and obviously living in Blackpool I was interested in in the tangerines and my dad turned to me at halftime with his cup of Bovril in his hand and he said don't worry son Blackpool will come out for uh, and get four in the second half and they did <laughs> um, 
they won 4-3. Wow. And Tommy Hutchinson was playing right. for them. I think Jimmy Armfield was manager. Joe Corrigan was in goal. Wow. It, could have been, it could have been John Burridge. Right. It, was, it was one of those two. And it, I thought, wow, is football like this in the flesh every week? And, of course, it turns out that it wasn't. But you, that was so my you could first have match. easily become a Blackpool fan through and through. Well, it's, your it's funny. I, yes, I still look out for their results now, um, but only with a sort of tertiary interest, really. It's Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham and Tottenham for me. And as I say, it was it was bred into me. First football kit was Tottenham when I lived in the Northwest. Um, you know, first Sabutio team was a Tottenham team, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it, it was inbred into mm. me, if you like. Uh, I'm assuming your first clip then, because you mentioned their Blackpool around 68. This first clip uh, is September 1970. Uh, yes. And uh, we are going to play it now. It was Tottenham 2, Manchester City 0. Goals from Martin Chivers and Alan Gilzean. Uh, let's listen to the goals now. And Mallory going hard in on Alan Oakes. There certainly seems to be a bit of feeling between Oakes and Mallory. And here's Perriman. Chivers! Chivers! Oh, Colin Bell. Towers. Oh, and now Gilzean in a bit of space and Chivers. Also Gilzean. There it is, number two by Gilzean. And that should make it safe for Spurs. And why did this go in? I, I'm, was, was this your first game seeing them? Or? Correct. Oh, amazing. Correct. And the, ca- the cameras the were there. The cameras were there. Yes, they were. Yeah. What a miracle. Yeah. Um, my, we used to stay when we came down from Blackpool with my dad's mum, my grandmother and my grandfather. And uh, my dad said to me, um, Tottenham are playing at home to Manchester City. You've been to Blackpool. I'm going to take you to see a real team. So uh, we drove, uh, which was quite a rarity in those days. I think we borrowed my granddad's Ford Poplar. <laughs> and uh, we parked up a long way from the stadium and walked. And the closer we got to the stadium... I saw more people in one place than I'd ever seen before. There was this electric buzz of football and the match day and people selling uh, scarves mm. and there was a smell of hot dogs yeah. and horse burgers yeah, yeah. in the air and, and what have you. And so it never we leaves went into you that smell, does it? It never leaves no, you. No, it doesn't. Yeah. And uh, we went into the ground and I remember, I forget which side of the ground it was. I'm sure it was in the East End at White Hart Lane, I looked across and on the far side, on, on where the advertising hoardings were, there was all these letters yes, right. and they related to the, the games and the scores yes. they were going to put up at half-time. The back of the programme, A was That's Aston it. Villa versus Wolves, B was whatever. You, yeah, yeah, you used to get a little sort of ticket that you could rip open mm. uh, with the time on it. You could buy it, you know, the time of the first goal. That's right. Uh, which I didn't win, mm. uh, but the whole just being in there and and seeing all these people mm. being a little lad, and then some of these players in front of you playing football, um, it, it was just so exciting. City were in red and black, mm-hmm. their away kit, 
And I think it was Summerby and Franny Lee and all those were playing. It was a really good game. Chiv got the first mm-hmm. goal. And I remember Alan Gilzine yeah. got the got the second goal. And my dad said to me, he said, he's a proper player. He is Alan Gilzine. He's one of my favourites. And so all in all, we had a great day. And it, it, it kind of cemented my love of Spurs. You know, at such a young age, I've been to the ground. Yeah. I'd seen them win. Mm-hmm. I had to go back in the car, back up to Lancashire, but it, it, it kind of enthused me. And um, Couldn't wait to you get know, back, I assume. Yes, exactly. And subsequently, of course, many, many, many years later, season ticket holder, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, lovely. And that sort of 70 was the beginning of that uh, next great Tottenham team with the 71 yes. League Cup, 72 UEFA Cup, 73 League Cup, and then it kind of... Right. We went through the dark years, which surprisingly aren't in any of your top 10 picks. <laughs> no, I thought, do I pick any of the negativity like the Adams header in the semi-final oh. of the FA Cup at Wembley when Vinny Samways missed a blinking open goal? You know, I mean, there's been plenty of moments that I remember being a Spurs fan, as we all do, that are just steeped in failure and glorious failure, humiliation. I was up at Newcastle a few weeks ago. And uh, with my friend, and I turned to him and I said, look at the time on the clock, eight minutes, 38 seconds, we're 3-0 down. And we we, we know what happened. But, um, you know, uh, it was at the start of a good era for Spurs. And then we went down a little bit. And, of course, uh, when Ozzy and, and Ricky turned up, uh, things started picking well, up. Well, I mean, that's obviously your second pick. And I think to, to a lot of Tottenham fans of a certain age who remember the, the, the awful mid-70s and... Uh, God, we've done a whole shows on, uh, there's a whole book, the whole 81 book, a uh, brilliant book, Steve Perman, uh, Julie Welsh, all about, you know, us not winning the FA Cup for an incredibly long 14 years then, 67 to 81. I remember as a kid going, growing up in the 70s, you know, what we, when we were going out third round, season after season, this was such a seismic move. I mean, now it's 30-odd years. It's laughable. But this 81 was the, the, the beginning of, of, of another great Tottenham team. Um, and we're never tired of, of introducing this goal um, and uttered by the wonderful voice uh, of the late, great John Motson. Let's have a listen now. It's come to McKenzie. What a good tackle by Graham Roberts. And now Galvin. Spurs have got... Two to his right, and Galvin wants to go on his own. Villiar. And still Ricky Villiar! What a fantastic run! He scored! Amazing goal! By Ricky Villiar! So where were you? I mean, guess were you about sort of early 20s at this stage? When this one went 81. in? 81. Yeah. 81, I was, uh, how dare you? 19. 19. Oh, I said, oh, that's right. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> Every year counts at this age. Um, we, uh, I remember this cup final, uh, apart from for the football primarily, uh, but my dad on the day of the cup final decided that it was going to be a good idea to hire, remember you used to hire your television, mm, yes, um, Radio which, uh, which they did. I think it was Radio Rentals, mm. uh, but he'd arranged to hire a VHS video recorder. What is this kind of magic, I thought? And so he had the tape and we watched the cup final, but we recorded it as well. Mm -hmm. So we could watch it all over again. And of course, uh, Hod's uh, 
you know, free kick off Tommy Hutchinson's shoulder, saved the day. And um, so I remember it for that reason. And, of course, um, we were extremely excited uh, because we felt that we couldn't really play worse Mm. than we did in the first game about the replay. And as we know, it turned out to be an absolute classic. I remember the Spurs fans all singing, we'll take more care of you, Archie Mm -hmm. Bald, you know, and there was uh, uh, Berkey on the touchline. And funny enough, where when I moved many years ago to where I'm living now, Keith Birkinshaw was 150 metres up the road really? from me. Keith used to wow. So when I was out walking the dog, you know, he's a bit of a gruff Yorkshireman, as you know. Yeah. Uh, occasionally he would stop and talk about... Uh, Tottenham. How amazing. Uh, but he was involved in, I think he was involved a few years ago at Watford. Yes, um, he was. Yes, he, he was, was with A.D. Booth. Yes, that's right. Uh, but anyway, going back to the game, uh, people forget in this game of football, Steve McKenzie's goal <sighs> for Manchester City, which was an absolute bluter. And of course, you're thinking, oh my goodness me, they're a team possessed City, who in many ways were the Tottenham of the North. Mm. And that's how I've always seen them up until the last sort of 10 yeah. years when they're very much a Man City number one team in, in this country and possibly Europe and the world. And we were 2-1 down, don't forget. You know, we're playing yeah, so we were well. I'm going, well down. I can't believe and, this uh, is going to happen again. No, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, Ricky Veer, Maisie run in the box, ball stuck to his feet like glue and uh, Motti, you know, still Ricky Veer. Mm. Oh, what a goal. You know, fantastic. And we were out of our chairs. Oh, my goodness. We've got a chance here now. And, of course, uh, it was the prelude to uh, finishing off the game and winning the FA Cup. And and what a brilliant final for a neutral to watch at that replay. Absolutely out of this world. Were you now um, starting to go to more games? Were you sort of a bit more regular on the stage? Funny enough, I was was travelling up to London to go to music gigs. Wow, I see. Um, you know, people like the Stranglers, and I, I remember I saw Queen in in '75, and I think it was Hyde Park, a free gig. But I was really into my music. Right. I, obviously, I love my football, um, but I think uh, it, it frightened me a little bit in in the '70s. Mm-hmm. Young man, uh, you know, we had lots of problems at football mm-hmm. matches, and it wasn't really for me. Okay, to put myself in a situation where through no fault of your own, you know, you could get into trouble or get injured and and stuff like that. So I didn't go to as many games until sort of like the mid-80s onwards, right way through to the present day. But I think that was my mindset, which is sad, really. Mm. Well, fair enough. And then your next clip, um, the the greatest Tottenham player I ever saw in a Tottenham shirt, um, without a doubt, uh, Glenn Hoddle. And uh, I was there this day. I remember it vividly. Uh, Vicarage Road. I think it was three-two. Uh, famously, it was the game when Archibald was uh, <coughs> had a spat of Birkenshaw was on the bench and came on and scored and kind of gave him the fingers. Certainly gave him a look <laughs> yes. in that game. But this extraordinary moment from Glenn Hoddle. Galvin. Brook. Hoddle with a beautiful piece of skill. What a magnificent goal by Glenn Hoddle. He deserves those celebrations. 11 minutes gone in the second half, and the Glen Huddle that we know and admire so much is shown to perfection. Everything about that goal was glorious. The turn, the move into space, and at the end of it all, the chip into the far corner. So why did this one come in? There's been so many... <clears throat> I mean, you could have done a whole show just on Huddle goals, in fairness. Yes. Why did this one, out of all the Huddle goals you've seen, why did this one go in? 
just sublime Glenn genius mm. at his very best. 10 out of 10 goal, 11 out of 10 goal. Yeah. I mean, that's what you paid money to go to football matches to see. Mm. And, you know, I always, I know he became England manager. I always thought that, you know, it was such a shame that he wasn't more a member or England managers never took a risk. Although to me, it wouldn't have been a risk because for us, he was brilliant. People used to say he's a bit lazy. Who cares? I mean, what he could do with the football, and that goal was just an example, and we all know as Spurs fans that he scored so many brilliant, brilliant goals for us. But for me, that was him pretty much coming into his pomp there. It's like, uh, you know, people sort of said he had uh, feet like golf clubs, and that lob, it is like, it's like using a, I'm not a golf fan, but it's like using a sand wedge, I'm assuming. Correct. And then then Sherwood in goal is... Six foot four, six foot five. He was a big guy. So it just went like a postage stamp. The the only place it could go in that corner to go above him is extraordinary. Precision football. And the best players have the ability to be precise. And uh, he was more than precise. Extraordinary. I mean, just brilliant, brilliant player for me, Glenn Hoddle. Quite, you know, I was thinking who would be my three favourite Spurs players ever. Um, Hoddle would still be number one. Gazza would be number two because, you know, I've never seen a player receive the ball. Um, uh, that's my dog. I do no, apologise. She's lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's a Newcastle <laughs> fan. That's why she's trying to chip in. Um uh, Gazza, just because of the effect he had on the crowd, they'd all stand up yeah. as soon as he got the ball. And Klinsman, who mm. we'll come on to later. Uh, uh, as you can tell, I'm uh, more of an attacking yeah. Spurs fan. Absolutely. And th- that's how we should be, of course, Mike. Too right. Too right. Your, your, your next uh, pick, uh, again, there's certain glory, glory nights that I can recall in, in more recent years. Um, obviously, we've had some great Champions League nights. There was the great night with Bale against Inter Milan's up there. But this, this was again to fans of a certain age, was you know to see us lift a European trophy at White Hart Lane, that extraordinary night against Anderlecht in 1984. Uh, and, and and over the years, when I've done this show a lot, we've always had sort of Ricky Veer was never a, 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 a went on to become many games. Anna Nilsson scored a goal. Uh, Lucas Moore with a hat-trick has just left. There's certain players who were never big players at Tottenham um, for a length of time, but are part of our history. So let's yeah. listen now to that final save from Tony Parks. Danny Thomas to keep his spirits up. Well, let's see. Maybe Tony Parks will pull off another save. Good Johnson from Iceland is the man taking it. And he saved it! So why did this one go? Were you were you there that night? Were you on? No, Watch I wasn't. I wish I was. And um, I think it was one-one in the first game. Wasn't it, it was. Paul Miller scored, yeah. and they scored near the end. That's it. And this is the game that Graham Roberts scored in. That's right, of course. And captain because uh, Perman was uh, injured. That's right, suspended or injured. And I loved him as a player for Spurs. I always I like hearing him now, Graham, in the media. 
um, when he talks about Spurs because he talks with that old passion. And my goodness me, when he came from Weymouth, you know, I think we were all a little bit, who's this? Boy, it was good. But anyway, I mean, the save, it was just one of those moments, wasn't it, in history, um, in the history of our club and and football history where against the odds, um, something extraordinary happens and Tony Parks happened to be the man who delivered that. And I think he pushed it away to his right, didn't he? He, 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 went, he dived to his right. He, he yeah, yeah that's Both what... his saves, I think, were there and all the others yeah. went in. I mean, the other thing that I think about with this game is, again, if someone out there wants to correct me, I think this was our first competitive penalty shootout. I don't think we've had one before this 84. Yeah, I don't I recall right. one because there's no, no reason to have one. So there was that thing which made it so just bizarre we'd never been that experienced and don't forget just before that we had Danny Thomas going up missing and now we're thinking because Parks saved the first one and the last one effectively and so when when Danny Thomas went up we're just like I don't believe it and the great camaraderie the Tottenham fans I think you probably hear on that clip you hear the one Danny Thomas you know you don't get that much anymore during a game the height of the passion fans could stop and go no we're going to back him now um, and almost we weren't thinking about the next penalty. And uh, famously, Ida Johnson's father was the man who stepped up. He was. Uh, and um, an extraordinary night, extraordinary moment. And obviously, Birkenshaw apparently said there used to be a football club there, and and, yeah. and left after it that. Did. And it was it was a breakup of a of an extraordinary Tottenham side, really, wasn't it? Yeah, wonderful memory. Yeah, um, silverware, which we crave. Mm. And a night for heroes. Yeah. Um, and including the fans. I think it's a really good point you make there about them singing. There's only one Danny Thomas. I don't think you get that now. I mean, look at the recent treatment, for example, of Davinson Sanchez. I mean, it's it's completely sort of the other way around, isn't it? Absolutely. And I'm not saying for one moment I think that Davinson is a, a great player, is even worthy of being in our side. He played at the weekend, though, didn't he, against Brentford. But... And, and I think you have to support your players. Once, once you get into the business of booing players or abusing your own players, um, the game's gone in a way, mm. I think. Yeah, I mean, there's always been players that have been booed over the years, but not as vociferously as, as this and not, you know, no. as much as this, I don't think. Correct. And obviously no. social media now doesn't help. Everything is echoed. No, it doesn't. You know, if you, as I do, follow loads of other Spurs fans, you're just constantly getting this in your face. So, but but to me, White Hart Lane, Tottenham Hot Stadium, what you would call it, that was a sanctuary from all that chaos. But when you get fans and then doing it in the ground, you, less so in away games, less so away games. Away games crowd is more of a hardcore Spurs fans because they're managing to get the tickets, they got the the loyalty points. But to see it at home games, I agree, is 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 not nice yeah. at all. It doesn't but, benefit you know, anyone. You, doesn't help. No, anyone. it doesn't. It doesn't. And to cheer Danny Thomas like that and support him is like uh, with uh, before he's one of our own for Harry came about. That was kind of what the fans were saying to Danny Thomas. You're one of our own. Don't worry about it, mate. These things happen. Absolutely. Well, let's go to a very quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue with Russ Williams' Top 10 Tottenham. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm back from the break. Uh, don't forget, uh, even throughout this preseason, we've still got daily news show, player interviews. Go to patreon.com slash Spurs show. Support all our shows uh, in the process. Uh, right, well, you already kind of mentioned uh, before the break this man. And, and again, for, for, for younger listeners, the introduction of this world star, you already mentioned Ozzy and Ricky. This was, I think, up there with, with world stars. When Jurgen Klinsmann oh. uh, came to Tottenham, was seismic, absolutely seismic. I think they just won the World Cup as well, hadn't they, Germany, in um, in America, yes. in the USA, 94, wasn't it? So yeah. we'd just got a World and Cup And they winner. won it in Italy as well, and in Italy as well. That's right. And Jürgen was a star in oh, that team. Unbelievable. unbelievable. So it was extraordinary when um, Alan Sugar um, and Jerry Francis, I think, was a manager at the time, um, all of a sudden, welcome Jurgen Klinsmann. What was your memory of him arriving? Well, um, I remember the lead-up to it, that Terry Venables had left mm. and there was going to be a rather ugly court case and what have you. Sugar um, wasn't particularly well-liked by no. the Spurs fans, although ultimately, um, when he fought for the club for that points deduction and what have you, um, you know, he did a, a good turn. Uh, but Sugar was a different type of chairman, you know, completely different to Irving Scholar, wasn't he? And he was the man who was a self-made millionaire with Amstrad. And uh, he had a, a yacht down in Monaco. And That's I think right. Jürgen was living down mm-hmm. there. And Sugar somehow managed to get hold of him and say, uh, come and have a meeting with me. And obviously laid out the Tottenham dream. And fair play to him. He negotiated a good deal and wasn't fired by Jürgen. And managed to persuade him to come for the first time yes. to the club. <coughs> then he and, had the old um, Carlos kicker ball, wasn't very nice about him. And obviously later it. on, yeah, yeah. we were getting relegated. Uh, he, he came back, nearly got relegated. Scored those yes. four goals against what, uh, uh, Wimbledon at Plough Lane. Um, yeah. in that, the, his second coming. But I, 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 I agree with you. I was staggered. <clears throat> I was staggered. You know, and um, I wasn't at this particular game, but we all remember... August the 20th, 1994, an extraordinary uh, game. I think it was 4-3 against Sheffield Wednesday. And here's that extraordinary moment from Jürgen Klinsmann. Anderton, a good cross for Klinsmann! Jürgen Klinsmann, a great header, and the German star opens his account. Beautiful, eh, Russ? That oh, head, what, a, what a bullet header that was. What a header. I mean, there was the following week, there was a midweek game against Everton with extraordinary scissor kick in the box. He scored some extraordinary goals. But that, for your debut, and, you know, when you look back at famous goal celebrations, off the top of my head, I think of Ryan Giggs against Arsenal, taking his top off. Uh, the the, the women's, the women's Euro one again, someone taking the top off and waving it. There's certain ones you remember, the Cantona standing there with a the collar up, looking around. But this one's up there, that Klinsmann dive celebration. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Germans to 
the English press were the um, were the bad guys, even though they were the really good guys and world champions twice. And at the centre of, of course, was Rudy Voller and Jürgen Klinsmann. And uh, Voller, of course, if we remember in 1990, did himself no favours, spitting in Frank Reichardt's face, uh, which I thought was disgusting, uh, as most decent people would. Uh, but Klinsmann was this, you know, goal machine up from. And he was he was brilliant for his club. He'd been playing at Inter Milan, hadn't he, and banging in the goals. And But the popular thing was, you know, dive, 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 you know, this sort of World mm. War II references, which were very subtle. And he was perceived by a large proportion of the English sports press as a, a very good player who scored goals. But, of course, he'd always dive and try and get an advantage and what have you. And Jürgen, of course, because he's no fool, uh, obviously he was aware of that. And uh, obviously as a German with a sense of humour, as a lot of them are, incidentally, the ones I've met, and uh, obviously decided to make a point with his celebration. And that made it even sweeter. The three points he scored on his debut and he stuck it up. The sports press. Yeah. Fabulous. No. I mean, what a treble. I know. It was amazing. He's one of these um, managers. I mean, now he's now managing South Korea. He's one of these individuals, and we, we talked at the top of the show about, you know... <laughs> Uh, our difficulties off the pitch, as it were. He's always one I always would love to see at Spurs at managing game, whether he's right or not. But I always said over the years, if you want to keep Harry Kane, who's going to be coaching you now? Jurgen Klinsmann, one of the greatest strikers of all time. That would certainly make Kane go, you know what, I might stay another year or so. But uh, who knows, it might still happen at some stage, depending on whoever they appoint next comes in. Um, and then your, your your next memory, again, is... is this is bittersweet because this this cut run was extraordinary and it was. if you have to put one of my lowest Tottenham moments, it was that lunchtime at Ellen Road when we lost uh, 4-1, I was there, 4-1 to Everton, yeah. shocking. But this moment when <clears throat> this 95 team under Joe Francis, <clears throat> Klinsman, Sherman, Barnby, Anderton, it was always, could we do it against the good teams? Could we do it against the good teams? And we went to still Anfield, is. it still is, and we went to <laughs> Anfield in that quarterfinal who we still have the most wretched record at Anfield. So a lot of us went up there thinking, mm, it's Liverpool. I think we went down early to a Rob Jones goal, I think the fullback yeah, from memory. Yeah, I think you're right. And then actually. we came back with these two moments uh, culminating in Jurgen Klinsmann with a goal near the end. Let's listen to John Motson again. Howell's looking for Klinsmann. He's got two defenders, here, Sheringham. Oh, what a goal! What a reply by Tottenham and Jenny Sheringham. Right on half-time, they're back in it. Jürgen Klinsmann supplied the pass, but what a marvellous finish with the inside of the foot by Jenny Sheringham. Great technical skill. Klinsmann, great awareness. And just look at the way he picked his spot, right in the angle. Anderson got it back in. Oh, and his Klinsmann for a great chance. It's Klinsmann for Tottenham! And he's got it with two minutes to go. Jerry Francis celebrating. Spurs have taken the lead for the first time in the tie. And Jurgen Klinsmann is the hero again. The flick on by Sheringham has got him clear from a tricky angle, a lovely finish into the corner. Watch Sheringham number 10, he just edges the ball on, Ruddock's beaten, so is Jones, Klinsman's in, and he curls it away. Why did this one go up? This was, uh, I still remember this like it was yesterday. 
Well, these days, when we score, I don't dance around the room. But in those days, I did. And I remember I was listening to Capital Gold. I lived in Highgate. I was in my flat. And I thought, well, I'm going to tune in, listen to this game. And, of course, you're nervous because you think, well, you know, we're a step away from the semi-final. And, you know, if we get to the final, you know, I fancy, I think we could win it, you know, the usual delusion. (laughs) Or maybe not. And, um, And time was ticking away. And all of a sudden, up he pops. Jürgen Klinsmann, and I remember running around the room screaming because I knew that we'd beaten Liverpool, the football club that I have a lot of respect for, that's just been pulled back a little bit Mm. recently over the booing of the national anthem. They are quite entitled. I've got Mm. a couple of Scouser friends who are Reds, and and they just, uh, you know, always talk via WhatsApp or on the phone. They're really, oh, we'll win everything. We'll be back. We'll be champions again, this, that, and the other. There's no guarantee of that. So to stick one up at Anfield, particularly at that time in our club's history, or any time, I suppose, was absolutely brilliant. And the man to do it, total world-class Jürgen Klinsmann, but you're right. You know, Nicky Barmby, unsung hero in that team, tremendous player. Teddy, we know, uh, was Teddy. I think Razor was in that team as well, wasn't he? Yeah, and, you know, just to win that and then get to the semi-final. We're all, you know, I'm in the corner pin before the semi-final. We get down to the train station. Off we go to Leeds, long journey. We're given the cantilever stand, the biggest in Europe at the time, aren't we? It's all Tottenham. But they had three sides. The three they, other yeah, sides exactly. are Everton. They had three and sides. And I'm thinking, they had three sides. Hmm, not happy about this. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm watching them warm up, Jürgen, Darren Anderton. I think Anderton, was, it was touch and go whether he was going to play, mm. but he was fit. And then Daniel Amakachi did the damage. Yeah. And one, one it, game it wasn't wonder. to be. I know, one we, game won, and there was an injury. Yeah, I know. We had wow. Nethercott at the back, we had problems. Yeah, we did. But we were just awful that day. And, and, and I've, I've been lucky enough to interview many Tottenham players who were there that day. And, and it still hurts them when you bring it up. They always say well, they probably can't it, was the lowest, it. it was their lowest point as a Spurs player. They just didn't yeah. show up. They said, yeah, a few no. things went wrong. We came out. It was a lot of Everton. All those things. But it was just just awful. And, and you know... Most Tottenham fans are quite pessimistic, but I remember going up there and none of us for a second thought we were going to lose that game. Correct. Now I'll go up to games and think, oh, but that was the one. <laughs> that was the one. Um, well, funny enough, I've actually, uh, I, I thought I'd gone chronological. I haven't gone chronological on your list. That's okay. But it's funny enough, I just mentioned uh, that was a game that I thought we'd sharpen win because your next clip is one that I thought we were going to sharpen lose because we were playing a team going for the double. I'm talking, of course, of that moment in 1991 at Wembley with the the player you've already mentioned, Paul Gascoigne, when uh, now we've got the other great doyen of of, uh, football TV commentary. Um, um, Barry. Barry Davis comes up with this moment. Mavrit has gone forward with Stewart to the right, Lineker and Howes to the left. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! That is schoolboy's own stuff. Oh, I bet even he can't believe it. Is there anything left from this man to surprise us? That was one of the finest free kicks that this stadium has ever seen. Seaman got his hands, couldn't hold. Spurs 
have the lead. Paul Gascoigne, the scorer. Where were you? Were you at this game, Russ? No. I was working in Newcastle. This is the problem with your job, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And incidentally, You're when I lived every weekend, I know I was working at Metro Radio, right. another one that you were. I was there for three years, had the time of my life, and I used to go and watch Sunderland right. as opposed to Newcastle, who were real rubbish. Of course, if I was up there now, I'd be going to watch Newcastle mm. because I think the football they play is breathtaking at times. Um, but I was at home in my flat in Newcastle. And funny enough, just before I talk about, but let me, I'll talk about this and I'll tell you a Gaza story in a minute uh, from my time in the Northeast. Um, I I just thought, well, yeah, like Barry, he's not going to have a crack, is he? And it was wonderful. And we all know, you know, and, and there we are, the double's gone. We're in the final against Forrest. We know what happened to Gaza there. It was just one of the greatest goals I've I've ever seen, yeah. Um, yeah. scored by a, a Tottenham Hotspur player from uh, a dead ball. I mean, probably the greatest one I've ever seen, and and it, and it stuck with me. And um, and I just thought I've got to have that in my top ten because it brought me such joy. It was another dancing round because it was them uh, round the room moment, and uh, you know we were on our way to the FA Cup final um, when I worked at Virgin Radio. I did a program with Terry Venables before we got the rights to Premier League three o'clock games, which I hosted for six years. Uh, we did a program called Rock and Roll Football, and it was me and Terry Venables having a phone in, playing some records between 12 and 2. And then, hey, Chris Evans will come in and do the rest, you know. And um, Terry told me, well, I became very friendly with him. I still am. And um, he said to me, do you know what happened after Gaza scored that goal? He said, because, I said, no. He said, well, if you watch the footage very carefully, he comes across and he jumps up and puts his legs around me. He said, do you want to know what he said to me? And I said, I'd love to know. This is not on the air. And I'll have to clean this up. He said, Terry, that silly seaman only thought he could save That's it. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so it was great. But when I was in the Northeast... Gaza used to come back and see his family and he was at Spurs and there was a, a charity football match at the Gateshead Stadium. Jim Smith, then Newcastle manager, right. uh, had an 11. Uh, Gaza and Ali McCoyst were on the opposite 11 of sort of Steve Cram and superstars and there was a few of us broadcasters and ringers against them. Wow. And uh, there was a friend of mine called David Prever, who's a BBC Radio Oxfordshire, uh, where he did the breakfast show. I think he's just left. Uh, smashing guy, but he wanted to be in goal. And I remember I was playing centre of defence with Jim Smith. Mm. And uh, he said, here comes Gaza. Watch him. You, you don't move too far from me and all that. So Gaza goes past Jim Smith. He goes easily past me, and I'm left flailing on the ground. He's in the penalty box. David Preber, a.k.a. Wobbly, comes out trying to smother the ball. Gaza pulls it back from him, goes round him. He's lying on the floor, stops the ball on the line, kneels down, and heads it in the wow. back of the net in front of 10,000 fans in the Gateshead Stadium. Wow. And it was absolutely brilliant. And somewhere, and I can't find the photo, Peter Reed was in that game as well. At the end of the game, there was these giant water buckets with sponges in. And there's a picture of Peter Reed and Gaza dumping one all over me. Wow. You can just see my legs. <laughs> uh, but it was definitely me, which is not a pretty sight. Wow. Um, so for me, he was, he was absolutely... Um, just a wonderful player, but a flawed genius, as uh, as we know. And it's sad sometimes to see what he's been up to these days. But with the football, 
Wow. That that season we saw, I mean, I, I know he, he had his injuries and all that, but that particular season was, if you if, if you took, probably Harry Kane would come close. If you said, take one season yeah. and one, and Gareth Bale, Gareth Bale, final season at ABB, take one player, one season, best you've seen. But I think Gaza for that FA Cup run, because obviously he scored in the various rounds and pretty much single-handedly has got us to that final. The fact that he did what he did in the final but, but but it was extraordinary. And I remember me and my certain friends, because we knew Gaza was going, we'd had a few in that pub. Is it the Globe on Baker Street? I think yes, it is. And it is. Um, he was around the corner at Princess Grace's Hospital. And we went there and we were shouting outside his bedroom, don't go, Gaza, don't leave, don't leave. <laughs> because, it, you know, it was like Beatlemania. It was just yeah. extraordinary play. Do you remember in that cup run, he single-handedly won a game um, against Portsmouth at, yes. at Fratton Park? With the awful it's conditions. Just he brilliant. scored the two goals. The, two, the, yes. head, the header and went round the player. Didn't he lose his shoe, I think, vaguely I think remember so, as yeah. well, the boot in the, in the... Yeah, I mean, incredible. I mean, wow. yeah. And the... Um, was it Oxford in the quarterfinal? Or, or, yeah, I think it was Oxford. Yeah. We a goal down there and he scored a brilliant goal. Brilliant. He was incredible. An incredible player. He was. You know, we were, we, were, we were lucky. We were lucky to see him. Um, we're going to jump forward a few years. And, and I'm so glad okay. you put this one in. This is one, this was a midweek game that I remember vividly. Really do. Uh, and I just remember the noise in the stadium. Um, you know, at a time where there was always a ding-dong against the Woolwich. And again, this was under Jerry Francis. And I'm talking about the 1994 win, North London derby. I think it was a midweek game. 1-0. Georgie Popescu scored yeah. the only goal early on. Place went nuts. Limbs, as I think the kids say now. Uh, let's ah. listen to the goal now. A league game that's much more like a cup tie so often. No offside this time. Linigan had played him onside. It's Anderton. And Spurs have men over. One is Popescu who must score. And that is so sweet for Tottenham Hotspur. And it's big trouble for Arsenal. He absolutely loves it, and they love him. 22 minutes gone, and it's uncharacteristic Arsenal defending once more. One man left and played them all onside. Anderton, good ball, great one-touch finish by Popescu. Why did this one go in? Out of all the Tottenham Arsenal games, this one well, goes in. I was in Bali oh, okay. in Indonesia. Well, I was on holiday. And uh, we had a couple of days on the island next to Bali, which is called Lombok. Lombok. Yes. And uh, we were staying there in a hotel. And uh, my wife said, I'm going to bed. And I said, well, I'm going to bed. But I've set the alarm for 10 to 3 a.m. Because it was an evening yeah. game. It was January. And it was one of the coldest nights in North London, according to the commentators, for many, many, many years. And obviously I wanted to watch it and there was a way that I could watch it because Indonesian TV was showing it. Uh, so there I was, three o'clock in the morning, uh, 28 degrees outside, windows open on the room, minus 10 here at White Hart Lane or whatever it was. Uh, but it didn't matter about the weather. And I, I just thought that Popescu showed good moments for us and was a good solid player for us. Um, but to score the winner in a North London derby. And actually, it was a really good goal. Yeah, it was a great move as well. Yeah. Um, I, I just 
thought that I remember just being elated with that mm. because once again it was them. Yes. Not that I'm obsessed. <clears throat> yeah. No, I mean, the, the only one I can think of, you, 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 again, you're sparking memories in me now. That whole thing about getting up at a ridiculous hour and watching games overseas. I had a mate of mine who lived in Thailand for many years. So every much the same time, December, January, yes. I used to get out the cold, go and see him. And I remember going to certain bars. Again, it was an eight o'clock kickoff. You go to these places like, it might have been even a, a weekend games, and the place we packed for like the Man United or Liverpool. <laughs> and there'd be me and a mate sitting there. Uh, excuse me, um, there's another game on uh, three in the morning. <laughs> and they're like sweeping up. They want to go. And there's just a couple of us there. I mean, it's changed now because the Premier yes. League is completely different. But these are the days when it wasn't really that big anymore. But you'd find the bar that was showing the game. Uh, mm. And you just thought this is this is dedication. I know there's fans all around the world, Australia, obviously, and many other places, USA, mm. who still meet up at ridiculous times of the night to watch us. Um, God bless. I know. God bless them. It's it's amazing dedication. We're going to jump forward now to your oh wow your final God we race through here your final two, and I'm glad you've kind of picked. Two moments uh, in recent times, uh, and they're both two players that I think were, they're already Tottenham legends, and one has obviously cemented himself now uh, this season, as we record the show, as the all-time greatest Tottenham and England um, striker. And this, without a doubt, and he's scored some corkers, you've picked the greatest goal he has ever scored. Slightly tinged by, you forget, we actually didn't go on to win this game. It was a draw. And, and they were down to 10 men. I remember they had a player sent off, I think. But this moment, Harry Kane against Arsenal, March 2016. I'll never tire of introducing this goal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. That opportunity might have gone now, but a point would be a good point from this situation for Arsenal. They've certainly got to dig in and well in the storm, haven't they? Here's Harry Kane. Kane goes for it! Oh, what a goal from Harry Kane! Cometh the hour! Cometh the man for Tottenham! A goal this was. Ball played over, he's onside. Fair Mertesacker doesn't deal with it, thinks it's going to run out. Look how well Deli Ali does. Little flick. Harry Kane's onto it, doesn't get closed down. 
but he just touched that instead, sticks it right in the top corner. Loads of bend, there's been a no chance. Glenn, you'd have been proud of that. Oh, fantastic goal. He uses Gabriel as almost like a mannequin on the training ground. He bent it around and there's no goalkeeper in the world going to save that. What a goal and what a time to do it. Harry Kane, take a bow. So, Russ, why did this one go in? Out of all the Kane goals you could have picked, uh, you've already picked a couple of well, Arsenal goals. It, it was relatively early on in, in Harry's sort yeah. of journey with the club. Um, he'd started scoring a lot for us. Uh, and I, I actually don't think that they were as aware of Harry Kane as they should have been. No, they weren't. Arsenal. Right. Uh, and he, he gets the ball, as you look at the goal over on the left-hand side, and then runs diagonally towards the penalty area. And you're thinking, what's he going to do? And he shoots and it goes straight in the top corner. Like he runs straight past the goal to the opposite corner, celebrating. And... It was it was just a thing of beauty, and you know it underlined what a, and he played differently as we know in those days, yeah. um, because he'd never been blessed with a lot of pace. But the, it was like the the waves opened for him. He just ran and bang, I and mean, to have the confidence to do that. But even um, then, such great upper body strength. Because you're right. I think it was the season yeah. before. People say that was the game he came of age when he scored those goals against Chelsea News Day and we beat them 5-3. That was the moment when, wow, we've really got someone here. And obviously yeah. he's got this extraordinary scoring record against Arsenal. And this goal, again, I think it was Deli Ali who... Um, uh, the ball looked like it was going out for a throw. Yes, and exactly. And Ali, you know, gave it. it the back heel. And you're right, he was no right to shoot from there. Well, I used to sit yeah. West Ham up a gangway too. It was like I was directly behind that shot. And I remember the swerve. I think it was Espina who was in goal for Arsenal then. And the mm. noise, the noise of the old stadium, that noise uh, was some... I know everyone talks about the acoustics now and, oh, isn't it amazing? But there was something about the noise of the old White Hart Lane when the whole crowd came together, especially when you're playing that lot. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. That was one of my greatest memories of, of Tottenham Hotspur, that goal. Yeah. God bless Harry. Is he going to go? Do you think, Mike? I, I, I think he will see out his contract, and I think you know if, if, if next season is the farewell Harry Kane season, boy, he deserves it. And I'm sorry, I know I've, I've, he will go with my absolute blessing. My absolute blessing. It's disgusting that he hasn't been backed uh, sufficiently all no. those years for what he's given Tottenham, the goals he scored in such a short space of time. You can only wish him the very, very best if. He ever does leave leave our our, our, our club, I think, yeah. you know. And uh, the last pick again, probably go in my top 10 Tottenham. I think it would do because, again, I was there and it was a moment that, that took my breath away. And uh, it's had many accolades this moment, including the Ferrick Pushkas world goal of the year. That moment, yeah. Honmin Sun, uh, another player would talk about the moment, extraordinary moment against Burnley. December the seventh, two thousand and nineteen, and uh, we'll talk about the goal in a second. Let's 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 listen to it now. Neil does so. Tarkovsky under pressure from Vertonghen can't bring it down, and uh, it's general terror in the Burnley back line when Son breaks forward. Oh wow, what a run! Hyunmin Son from inside his own half has scored one of the best goals of his Spurs career. A standing ovation in North London for a Hyung Min Son special. 
Why did this one go in, Russ? Your, your, your last well, great memory. It, it's just genius. Mm. You know, edge of edge of our penalty area by the D, straight through the middle. You know, keeping control of the ball, running so fast. Burnley defenders don't know what to do. They start getting nervous as he gets ever closer to the goal, and bang, it's in. I mean, to run from there to their penalty box, pretty much and whacking in the back of the net in a Premier League game. A game, incidentally, as we all remember, where we absolutely battered Burnley. 5-0, I think it was. Yeah, in that game. It was, it was, I I mean, I'm a, I'm a fan of Son um, down the middle. Mm. I don't, yes. I, I didn't like it when Conte mm -hmm. put him on the left. I agree. Because all he's going to do is cut in on his right foot. Mm -hmm. And everyone gets wise to that. But when he was part of a two with Harry, or plays with Harry as part of a two, it's tremendous, but that was nothing to do with attacking play. That was natural instinct and belief in your own ability and, and pace and control uh, to, to do what he did uh, in that massive new stadium. And it was comparatively new. I was mm. there in the, uh, uh, just to the right of the director's box, about 30, 40 feet away. And, uh, I saw him come, I saw where, it, where the run started over the halfway. And you're thinking, he's never going to score this, is he? <laughs> Bang. Get in. And, you know, he's a brilliant player. We all know that. He's had his ups and downs, for not least for the reasons I think that we've just talked about his position in, in the team. And I think he's a confidence player. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very, very high then. And, you know, his contribution to the club, although not Harry-esque, is uh, is pretty much nearly up there yeah. over the last few years. So he's a world-class footballer. Absolutely. And what, what I love about this goal, and I was there as well that day, you don't see goals like this. In, no, you don't. At any level of football, and this is the top level of world football, effectively, certainly club football. You know, we talked earlier in the show about that Glenn Hoddle goal. You don't see goals like that. The Ricky Veer goal, you don't see goals like that. And this one, running the whole length of the pitch, there's that moment... I think it's just inside our own half. And you're like, great run. And he's, you're constantly looking, where's the pass? Where's the pass? But there was oh, nobody. Now he's got three or four players and his change of pace, he's gone past three. He's gone past three. And there's yeah. that moment you think, don't mess it up. Don't mess it. And he just checks himself before the goal, just steadies himself yes. and puts Fantastic. it in. Extraordinary. And and, and these and these moments are, are why, and I know we're biased, but these moments are why Tottenham has a, have us so bad. This is why it yeah. hurts so much when you see what we're going through as a club at the moment. Because they, there's something uh, beautiful about our team and the players well, there that is. play for Tottenham more than when any other team. More the way than that we team. expect. Yeah. You're right. And I think, from memory, James Tarkovsky and Ben Mee were playing mm -hmm. that day. Yeah. And these are seriously good defenders. Forget the fact that Tarkovsky's at Everton. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, at Burnley under Sean Dyche. They were great, weren't they? You know, and uh, made mincemeat of them all. Yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, what a goal. Yeah. What a what an absolute blue touch. No, amazing. And a lovely one to finish on. And, you know, yeah. just, I mean, you talked about your Tottenham journey and from Blackpool and coming down, moving to London. Obviously, you're someone who's obviously, because of your broadcasting career and obviously working in football so much, meant that you're seeing games on a screen in a studio, listening to games as well. What is it about Tottenham Hotspur? You know, what does Tottenham, even, you know, now, after all these years, still mean to you? 
Well, from the years that I've been on the planet, obviously uh, the year before I was born, there was a double winners and my dad and my granddad used to tell me about them. Obviously uh, I'm aware of it now. And I, I always thought that Tottenham had the flair players, you know, Jimmy Greaves, what a striker, unbelievable. But we had great defenders as well. Who's, you know, obviously Dave Mackay, Mike England back in the day, he was playing in that game against Man City mm. in 1970. Um, you know the the ethos of Spurs was was always we're you know we're going to entertain mm. as long as we play good football. If we lose two one or three two, but we played well, we can live with that, and that is why um, the recent seasons, you know, the sort of Mourinho, Conte, and Nuno, uh, it's been so drab, and I think it goes against everything that we. Uh, as Tottenham fans have have bred into us, whether it be the stuff of legend that we've learned about, st- stuff our uh, parents, grandparents, friends, family members have told us, uh, stuff we watched on YouTube and old videos. Um, we were always a, a football club who, yes, you know, there was always an element for the really big boys like Fergie used to say, lads, it's only Tottenham, and inevitably usually it was, uh, for us at Old Trafford. Um, but we always acquitted ourselves eight times out of ten well over over a season. We were known as a cup team. Well, we'd love to be known as a cup team now, wouldn't we? Yeah. You know, and so we, we've kind of uh, lost a lot of the good things about our history. And, um, you know, I noticed Daniel leaving his latest state, uh, statement uh, said once again, you know, we want to play attacking, entertaining football. Well, he said that. A year ago, two years ago, nothing changes. And um, he said the DNA. He said the DNA of Tottenham, and then he points Antonio Conte. So you're like, well, that's never yeah, the DNA. Of exactly, Tottenham. never the DNA of Tottenham. Yeah. And in this current crop that he's looking at, you know, the four names that, that came up: Thomas Frank. Uh, he's a defensive coach, really. I know Brentford have done pretty well, but it's all about defence. You know, Slot has done well. Nagelsmann. Mm-hmm. I mean, heaven only knows what's going on there. But uh, the point is they're looking at a couple of defensive coaches again and a couple of attacking coaches. So there's no clear vision. No, there isn't. There is no clear vision. Because, because if you had there, a vision, there's you no be looking football at people in the hierarchy of a football club. It astounds me. Mm-hmm. I've said on the Spurs show many times, you think after 20 years of running a football business, just by osmosis, something would rub off on you and you'd get a yeah. a feeling of of the right things to do or or to put your hands up and go this isn't me I'm more into the property stuff these these are the people I trust and love are going to do it and even that hasn't happened over the years they've come and gone you know Paratiches the Baldinis the Camolas the Pleats they've all been and gone and Paul Barber doing so well at Brighton these yeah. people and don't forget don't Paul Mitchell about. Paul who, Mitchell who, another one who came as head scout, head recruitment under Pochettino, had worked brilliantly well at Southampton with him and got amazing results. And we all thought, wow, we got Pochettino. Now we got Paul Mitchell, who's discovered this player, that player, da-da-da-da-da. And he didn't last long, couldn't get on with the chairman, apparently. I don't know if that's true, but that was the story that was doing the rounds. Well, you know, the chairman bless him, has got to realise that actually the football club is more important than him or his uh, or, or his company. But if you're getting a knock on the door from the bank saying, uh, Mr Levy, don't forget your next uh, debt payment of 50, 60 million is uh, at the end of next month, 
you you are going to look at ways of um, generating income. And I think that's very much as a financial man in his mind at the moment, Mike. But uh, having said that, to do that, which is a good thing, get more revenue in for the club, it's something Arsenal could never do when they had their new stadium. They couldn't host gigs there. They couldn't have F1 karting. You know, he is letting out the stadium to make money as often as he can. But the perception is, as you said at the beginning of the show, it's to the detriment of the football. And we are essentially a football club. Now, he could be right and we could all be wrong. But it feels wrong. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, we'll see what happens in the ensuing weeks. Let's hope that things turn around. But uh, it's been nice to have an hour with you and and look back. Oh, thank you. Great memories, great players you've you put in your top ten. My God, it's players that oh God, we could wish were still out on the pitch now for Tottenham. <laughs> um, amazing, Russ. Thank you so much for your time today on Top Ten it's Tottenham. No, no problem at all. I love the Spurs show. I love you, Tim Michael. Oh, bless you, um, <laughs> and Mr. Delaney, and uh, everyone behind this brilliant podcast. And to me, it's it's a labour of love. Yeah. You know. I could sit here for hours talking about Tottenham, <laughs> but people get bored of me. And it's it's nice, you know, because I've done a few podcasts lately mm. where it's quite heavy because you can, you're immediately on after a big defeat again. And um, you have to actually sit down and discuss the machinations of the club and what's going on and yeah, agree with people. We, we, with we, people. We, this is fun. We, this is fun. But even with the Spurs show, we deliberately don't record on the day or the day after. We always, well, yeah. but sometimes it's the day after it was a Sunday game, but never on the day. You know, you do need that time to process, especially if you've been of a certain age going, okay, we've been here before. We know what the real problem is. Let's not slag this player off. You, you, you have to, you have to. And uh, that, that's very kind of you, Russ. And, and obviously we'll see you next season. Back on the Spurs show, we'll be talking about our new coach, pleasure. our new director of football, whoever that is. We hope some new players, uh, creative midfielder, our new centre-back, our new goalkeeper. And let's hope we're still talking about Harry Kane as well next season. Well, that'd be nice. And let's hope we get Ndombele back and get a coach who can actually get a tune out of him. Because there's magic in those really? boots. Really? Uh, that's where we both had to disagree. Okay. <laughs> but it's been great, Mike. Thank you Lovely. so much. And thank you thank for you listening very much. to the listeners. Brilliant. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.